Hey everyone, my name is Mariana and I am the host of the Commitment to Growth podcast as well as the founder of the Resilience Life Coaching platform, Commitment to Growth. This is a personal growth-oriented space dedicated to helping ambitious young adults who want to develop long-lasting resilience in their personal, professional, and social lives. I coach on all things mindset development, reframing limiting thought patterns, habit building, vulnerability, and emotional freedom techniques, and more, all through evidence-based practice and lots of raw and honest conversation. Thank you so much for being here, and let's dive right in. We are here with another exciting guest interview on the Commitment to Growth podcast, everybody. Thank you for being here. If you're new, welcome. And if you're not new, welcome back. And if you are new here, I cannot think of a better conversation to introduce to you commitment to growth with, the quality of people and human beings that are on this platform and that uh, I've had the opportunity to connect with. I think that this conversation is so uh, highlighting (laughs) of that and what I love to talk about and the quality of conversations that I just love bringing to you and getting into flow with myself. These interviews and this platform as a whole always reminds me of why I do what I do. It solidifies it in my heart every single time I start a recording, every time I end the recording and continue seeing the work of the person who was just here on social media. Truly, between having the gift to talk to the people that I get to talk to, but also the amount of support that I feel every single day, week, month from all of you here that tune in and follow the podcast and follow the platform and support it and comment and like and all of the love that you pour into what this platform has become is just everywhere around me right now and it carries me so much and I just want to say thank you. Um, Whether you, again, it's your first time here or you've been following us, following me, I don't have a team yet. (laughs) I am the team (laughs) for now. For a while, you are so appreciated and you are so loved uh, in your presence here. So, oh, this conversation was so juicy if you're into neuroscience whether you're a beginner or you have a master's in neuroscience whatever level of the spectrum you sit on this conversation was all of that but I loved that it was applied neuroscience it was applied psychology it was applied evidence-based practice of mindfulness as to how it impacts so many of the realms in our life let me tell you about today's guest I have been following Kelsey's work for about a year now. Kelsey actually duetted one of my TikTok videos last summer. It was like probably like the first video of mine on TikTok to ever get into like, you know, at a certain point, like it reaches 10K and it just says like 10K, you know, like you can't see the rest of the numbers anymore. (laughs) Uh, It's pinned at the top of my profile on TikTok if you want to see it. It's on grief and growing pains and she duetted it and was just hyping me up so much, this girl that I did not even know. So I checked out her profile and saw all the amazing work she was doing. And I was like, I need to follow her. I need to know what she's doing. I need to know how she's doing what she's doing. Because truly, the message behind everything that Kelsey embodies in through her work, through her life, how she shows up on social media is so contagious in the most amazing way. And it has inspired me so much to be so intentional about mindfulness in my own life. So Kelsey 
is in the final stages of her Master's of Arts in Counseling Psychology, none other, and is the owner of KMOS Yoga. With a background in concussion research, mental health, and neurophysiology, Kelsey bridges the gap between modern neuroscience and yoga by teaching the mechanisms through which mindfulness changes the brain. As a registered yoga teacher, she is a firm believer in prioritizing mental and physical well-being for improving ourselves, communities, and corporations. After suffering from debilitating anxiety for years, Kelsey turned to mindfulness and yoga and experienced firsthand the benefits studied in the scientific literature. Drawing on her education and experience in psychology and mental health, combined with a relentless drive to connect with and help others, we love that here, she created Neuro-Informed Yoga and Mindfulness and IYM through workshops, group programs, and public speaking engagements. NIM, or Neuro informed yoga and mindfulness is an approach to wellness designed to educate and teach people how to live a more peaceful informed and meaningful life with ease key word right there because we should be striving for nothing less in our day-to-day life so if that bio if that overview of this incredible person this incredible woman was not enough this was also her first podcast interview ever by the way may i highlight the privilege that i feel i hold being the one to be the recipient of her first (laughs) podcast interview she killed it i never would have thought and i mean they're just conversations anyways but kelsey showed up so beautifully exactly as she does in the outside world and er, i am so excited for you to hear this conversation grab a book grab a pen if you're a yogi this is going to be a song to you and if you're not yet i hope this inspires you to explore movement through yoga and its benefits on mindfulness so one more thing before we get into the episode today is the announcement that if you didn't hear this in the last episode i am taking submissions for uh, my coaching bundles i'm a resilience coach As I mentioned in the intro to this episode, I am focused on vulnerability coaching. If you feel like you have vulnerability blocks, imposter syndrome, you feel like you've been in circles trying to go after your goals, but you keep failing, you keep stopping, you keep reaching dead ends. And at this point, you're super disappointed with yourself around the progress that doesn't feel like you're making. I'm your gal. If you're interested, if you want that one-on-one help, if you want that accountability, if you want help that is centered around focusing on the internal blocks that you might not even know you have but might be keeping you from achieving the things that you want to achieve i'm your girl as i said so head on over it is www.commitmenttogrowth.com coaching services it is also linked in the show description of this episode go there you can check out resilience coaching, the evidence-based approach that I take, and book a free first call. They're 30 minutes. They can go up to 30 minutes or less. We'll chat about you. We'll chat about what you're looking for from coaching, get to know each other a little bit, and then from there, I'll kind of tell you how I think I can help you because I want to help you. This is a service-based platform. I'm here to help you. I'm here to grow with you and grow from you as well. So if you're interested, you might also just get a discount because that is being offered right now too so head on over the link is in the description at the very bottom and let's work together so without further ado here is kelsey's episode kelsey welcome to the commit to growth podcast this is her first podcast everyone i know isn't that what the heck that is wild welcome how are you thank you i am great i am so happy to be here and honestly after listening to some of the yeah 
this is a good good combo you and I I feel like I we clicked right away this was awesome right this was awesome I, I have so much yeah. to ask you and so much I want to talk to you about uh oh. but do you want to tell the audience who you are what you do why you do what you do before All that the yeah absolutely <laughs> Uh, so again, my name is Kelsey Moss. I am the owner of K Moss Yoga and the founder of what's called Neuroinformed Yoga and Mindfulness. So it's basically my background is in concussion rehab and neurofeedback. And so I'm also in my master's in counseling psych. And so this program, um, obviously teaching yoga as well. And so this program is really like the combination of everything I do, where it's like a self-growth educational yoga program it's kind of an all-in-one 12-week program then I also do workshops and courses as well oh my gosh yeah I I teach yoga I'm finishing up my master's and now I do podcasts I guess oh now she does (laughs) (laughs) that is oh my gosh I I'm so curious like what got you yoga and counseling psych like what was your journey into combining those two things Oh my goodness. That's such a long story. Like it's such a long thing, but I love it. So we want to hear it. We want to hear it. Love it. That's what we're here for, right? Exactly. We're here to connect. We're talking exactly. about it. Uh, so my, like I said, I've, um, my background's in concussion rehab, but my whole experience with this stuff really goes back farther. So I also have a very personal experience when it comes to yoga and when it comes to mindfulness mm-hmm. and a very personal reason for why a lot of this really came to be. And I will say there is a trigger warning in this topic but I always put it out there working in mental health that's out there of course mm-hmm. of course um and so my experience with yoga I've been practicing for about over 10 years now just you know as one does starts to oh well my body hurts that so you should probably stretch more oh, and yeah. get into that whole thing <laughs> yeah. that kid that was in like multiple sports growing up and so my body always ached so yeah you get it I do yeah. get it <laughs> yeah um from there I ended up going to university, did my undergrad in uh, like a BSc in psych, a bachelor's science. And then I focused it on cognition and brain sciences because I was I was huge mm-hmm. into the sciences. And in my second year of university, I ended up volunteering in a few different research labs on campus. So okay. also UVic, you know, oh. represent. Um, right. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I was uh, volunteering on a couple um, neuroscience labs just because I loved the brain and I love the brain imaging and everything to do with that yeah and then I also ended up volunteering on a concussion project that was at a private psychology clinic and they were doing what's called QEEGs so quantitative electroencephalogram big word just looking at the patterns in the brain basically fantastic okay so Mm -hmm. yeah looking at the brain the activity in the brain and the patterns in it Mm -hmm. and that was the really like, and that was where I just dove head first right into the neuro stuff. Mm-hmm. In this clinic, they were not only looking at like what areas the brain are getting injured from concussions, but they were really also focusing on like how that impacts a person. So mm-hmm. for example, like if there's certain, I mean, different areas, of the brain are responsible for the most part for different things. Mm-hmm. You injure certain areas. How does that affect like your mental health? How does that affect your irritability? your ability to focus, how you t- pick up on social cues, right? Those things that you don't always think of. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then they were actually helping doing neurofeedback to retrain the brain into kind of healing those injuries. Gotcha. Okay. So yeah, 
that was like my exposure into the neural world. Um, did that right. Like loved it. Volunteered at first, did a summer internship thereafter, hired on after I graduated my undergrad. Like it was, I was there for five years total. Oh my gosh. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. So it was a big, it was your whole world. Uh, it was awesome. And yeah, totally. I was, yeah, it was like, okay. So I was really, really fortunate for who I was working for. Mm-hmm. Um, he's actually now passed away. Oh, okay. He was mm-hmm. one of like the go-to people in Canada for these brain maps for reading them. Okay. Yeah. Oh, that's, so, well, that's, that's good that you got that time with, with him and you got to like mentor under him. That's amazing. But I'm sorry. Like that's, it's a tough loss for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So I was really lucky that I actually got my own brain map done, my own QEG done. Oh, when I was there. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It was fun. I, I still have the the report that okay. came up. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, basically I was doing that for all the neuro stuff. I decided I wanted a lot more to do with mental health after not just the neuro. I didn't want to kind of pigeonhole myself in just that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's when I did the counseling psych because I love people and I love the connection. And yeah. I mean, even oh, this, right? And you get to make it evidence-based from that neuro perspective. Yeah, totally. Exactly. Oh. And so really took the counseling psych route. Cool. But then, you know, COVID happens and I decided to take my yoga teacher training. So, oh, it was um, during COVID. It was during COVID. I also Whoa. had a broken arm. This is my fun little. You had a broken arm? Is that what you said? <laughs> yeah. I did my entire 200 hour on a broken arm. Oh my God. Wow. I so, respect no. that. Oh my God. Thank you. <laughs> I love that. I love that. <laughs> okay. So that was really like what. I don't know. So when I kind of came to yoga, it really started out as obviously like a physical thing and throughout my undergrad. And then after I just fell in love with how much, how good it made me feel. And then through my master's recognizing like how much it can change the brain, how much that the brain, like how malleable the brain is. Right. And so that was really like being in the concussion rehab, like we were doing stroke rehabilitation, concussion rehabilitation, just general mental health stuff like helping people with any kind of issues that they're kind of coming in for Mm -hmm. anxiety depression ADHD is a big one right and so just seeing how people can change their brains Mm -hmm. just really like shaped my vision like my my worldview on this and the biggest frustration I found was that there's not really a connection between like the literature and the psych world and the neural world and the general Mm -hmm. public can you elaborate on that a little bit please sure. <laughs> not? Why? Why? um this is my the- bread and butter like neuro I I could I spend hours and hours reading all things like I'm reading a book on I'm listening to an audiobook I should say on uh uh neuro neurofeedback yes um, yes uh the stuff they're doing then at the brain institute the trauma institute in the states uh the name of the what's the name of the the psychiatrist who wrote how the body keeps the score Bessel van der Kork have yes. you read his book? Yeah. Amazing. He's part yeah. with people who's doing who are doing that stuff and they're doing it at his yeah. institute now. Anyways, all I have to say, I just I, I nerd out, out about this. So I, I want to nerd out with you. <laughs> well, that's what I was doing. So like that was I was working oh. actually under a psychologist and I was doing the neurofeedback with clients. So I was sitting there one on one, attaching the electrodes onto the brain. Yeah. Um, I was doing the brain maps themselves. And I was yeah. really fortunate, like with that, with that mentor that I was working under. 
that he would even let me sit on a lot of the intakes and a lot of the mm. like when we would go over the brain maps and so I'd be there and get to really explore like what it was like what was going on in the brain and he could kind of pinpoint and be like okay well you probably have issues with this this might be a struggle for you have all this stuff and then it feels like someone's just like reading your mind like it feels so weird you're like how do you know that like but it's it's in the brain right <laughs> yes like oh you're just they're looking at your brain and recognizing like how it's behaving is based on how it is behaving right like the body absolutely keeps the score honestly yeah. oh I love that so but the issue is I was finding is like even talking about neurofeedback it's huge in the states big a lot of places overseas but it's not big in Canada it is growing and I like that and it's really good to see mm-hmm. still like most people don't know what it is and they don't even sometimes recognize how influential your habits the way you speak to yourself, um, just your everyday environment, how impactful it is on the structure, the physical architecture of your brain. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that everyone talks about how like trauma hurts the brain, trauma changes your brain, all this stuff changes your brain, right? But sometimes it's like, well, healing does too. Mm-hmm. And yoga does, mm-hmm. mindfulness does. And mm-hmm. in ways that we actually had no idea until the last like 20, 30 years. It's mm-hmm. in the Western world. Let me clarify. We only really knew this in some of the Western, in within Western medicine within the last 20 to 30 years. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. If you extend it to kind of the 50s, yes, it was kind of starting to build, right? But, um, or sorry, pardon me, 50 or so years ago, it was starting to go get gain momentum. Yeah. But if you think people are really starting to recognize the, the importance of that, especially with social media and like, and the access to that information yeah. I'm not sure if you found the same thing yeah oh 100% well and it, it's one of those things that I think you don't you don't want to believe at first when somebody tells you like your brain can change actually from a traumatic event but then you know like w- I feel like it's only in western culture that we've adopted the the mind is not separate from the body and vice versa you know so I think with that awareness has come the adoption of that more holistic approach to things but I'm I'm happy that you're bringing this up because like one of the main points in that book that I'm listening to is that you know so many of the traditional approaches to healing trauma talk therapy cognitive behavioral therapy fail on subjects who have gone through like you know insurmountable amounts of trauma from childhood because their brains have wired differently and will not respond to simply affirmations or talking to them like there has to be some kind of uh neurological intervention whether it's through i think it's uh they were using like wave uh like beta- brainwave yes brainwaves thank you that was the word yeah um which i was like man yeah you know, like how many people could use that today and are missing out on it because they think that it's a it's a problem that you work through through talking but it's actually yeah. a structure-based thing that has to be approached holistically right but mm-hmm. yeah and it's it's bang you're bang on there right like the way that your brain is working day in and day out is going to be based on your your experiences mm-hmm. and yeah. if you look at child development like it goes back to when you are first born when you're crying as an infant how is how are the people around you responding to that yeah are they yeah. showing you that emotions are a bad thing that you're not supposed to feel them yeah. And your brain will start to wire to be like, oh, I'm not supposed to feel fear. I'm not supposed to feel anger. I'm not supposed mm. to feel happiness. You know, like that mm. can really change how the connection, like how people react to everything in their life and how that your brain develops changes how you see the world because you don't see with your eyes, you see with your brain. 
right? Information is always processed in your brain. Mm, I love that. I have never thought about it that way. That's so valuable. I, yeah, yeah it's, a, I think about that a lot because, you know, I think something that became very popular in the last like year or two was, you know, the conversation on attachment styles, right? Mm-hmm. Like anxious, avoidant, disorganized, secure. Um, the goal is to get to secure for everybody, right? But I think that what a lot of people, like the gap is that everybody can explain it from a behavioral approach. Like when you're anxious, you you require affirmation constantly. When you're avoidant, you don't want that so much. But nobody talks about like, well, few people talk about, I should say, the mm-hmm. the depth at which that is that attachment is rooted in your nervous system. And that's what you have to heal, not simply the, you know, it's one thing to talk yourself out of that anxiousness of like wanting to text your significant other or whatever but it's another to like look inwards and tell your nervous system that to get yourself out of that that state you know so mm -hmm. and it's hard and I think that's the biggest thing and I think people I mean there was this understanding years and years ago Mm -hmm. that once you return 25 you have your brain that's it like tough luck that's your brain good luck with life Mm -hmm. and that's not right like We'd start to, I mean, we would, even in that clinic, we would have, we'd work a lot with like um, ex-Olympians, ex-NHL players, like people who were years, decades, sometimes post-concussion. And we could still see the specific areas in the brain for the most part that were injured. Mm. And Mm -hmm. that starts to show how the brain is impacted, right? And when you kind of talk about the trauma and you talk about attachment styles, oftentimes the piece that gets left out, you hear it's really big and pop culture it seems like pop psych whatever you want to call it but with emotion regulation and mm-hmm. that regulation stuff right and I talk about it and I recognize that but I think sometimes people don't often realize how tuned into our health like how much our ability to have awareness and regulation within our emotions and within our body impacts us on a day-to-day mm-hmm. totally oh I love that and I love that you're you're speaking about it from this holistic approach because I have a lot to ask you <laughs> on that front. Tell us about, tell us about, so um, are you doing a, like a thesis in your master's? Like you're doing research-based master's or? Yeah. So this one isn't actually a thesis-based, which I, well, one of the reasons I chose it. So it is in master's of arts. Um, It okay. is a two and a half year program, but it is more course-based. And then I do, I'm in my practicum right now. So right now I am actually working as a therapist, seeing clients, having fun that's so exciting things learning all the things totally yeah I think that's where the big thing is like there's a very big difference between teaching and teaching yoga and counseling and they're very different because when you're teaching it's more that like that leadership kind of style like it's Mm -hmm. kind of I'm running you with education and that's where like all the courses I teach even especially with yoga that is the framework that like within yoga because I mean we didn't have online courses but no like yoga is thousands of thousands of years old these are texts that were interpreted and needed people to pass this knowledge down Mm -hmm. and so counseling is very different counseling is a lot more of experiencing what the client is experiencing with them and holding their hand and being there with them Mm -hmm. and a lot of people talk about how just the that therapeutic relationship is most of what really encourages change or really produces change it's mm-hmm. a relationship it's the connection because totally yeah. hurt trauma whatever you want to call it happens in relationships mm-hmm. and so does healing you can't uh-huh. heal always on your own you need those connections 
Yes, totally. And it's it's a it's a very important lens to draw on that because I, you know, I find that predominantly Western culture is quite individualistic in that sense. Like there's a lot of, you know, do the inner work on your own, heal yourself on your own. And there's a lot of pride that is claimed to be derived from that. And like they're totally there's a lot of confidence that can come from that, but it's it can't be like totally done in isolation, is my my point of view personally. Um yeah. I love the distinction that you drew between being a teacher and a counselor. What like what have you found in your research as far as, you know, yoga and its effect and mindfulness and its effects on like mental health and such and how are you bringing that into both practices? So, I guess that's one of the exciting things where I'm I'm really on the floor and I think that's what I really wanted to position myself as is I'm not in the lab doing this work, but I have the experience in the lab and I more again in the fashion side. Okay. But also being my master is just understanding the literature in ways that a lot of people, if you unless you are have taken degrees that require you to understand scientific literature, you don't have that understanding of it, right? And so a big mm-hmm. part of what my goal is really bring everything together and bringing that yoga side, bringing the psych side, bring the neuro side and the counseling and just merging it all together. Totally. Okay. Yeah. Nice. What what has the literature told you? Or like, how are you applying? Well, your some of the literature that you write to what you're doing. Yes, yes. exactly. exactly. Yes. <laughs> okay. Where? Oh my goodness. Well, where do we begin? Well, where this is what begin? I do. Right? And I think <laughs> that's the biggest part where like, yeah. And so I, my predominant, so NIM is what I call it, neuroinformed yoga and mindfulness, um, mm-hmm. NIM. It, it is a 12 week program because there's so much information. And so yeah. even for that program, like I start off by explaining like, this is your brain. This is your nervous system. Mm. These areas are often involved in this. This is involved in that. But I also tie the yoga philosophy in it because that's important when it comes to understanding the research, because mm. especially within the scientific literature and more like, like, let's even look at just research in Canada, research in the States, research in Western cultures. Yoga is often understood as just a physical practice. Yeah. And it's not. Mm-hmm. When you look at like yoga asana, the physical positions of, of yoga is only about two percent of the yoga sutras that's two wow, percent everything else. oh my gosh okay and so when it's really tough even looking at the scientific literature to differentiate what what are they doing because in some types mm. of studies for example they have found unbelievable results where they're having people for example um and I'll provide you with the citations for all of these, just so you know. So people, if they oh, want to go look them up, please okay. do, because I always, encourage, I always encourage people to go do their own, their own research into things as well, because okay. it's changing every day. Totally. But for example, there was um, one study where they were actually having people for four weeks practice 45 minutes a day okay. uh, for six days a week. So it is intense, right? Like six 45 minute practices every, mm-hmm. like every week for four weeks. Totally. But they were found, they found it was a 27% reduction in perceived stress and a 38% improvement in sleep quality. Wow. This was self-reported. So they were doing like these studies before and having this in four weeks. That's it. Four weeks. That's a lot. And wow. Okay. And even in my own program, I've seen a 30% reduction in stress and perceived stress, like having actual questionnaires that they fill up before and after and during, and that's in 12 weeks. But mm-hmm. come mm-hmm. to this first study. So there's there's studies like that where it's just like we're starting to see for yoga specifically how unbelievable this is, right? With such low risks. Yeah. 
But then you look at some studies and they just kind of would tell people like, oh, okay, just go practice a couple times a week. And then they didn't find the best results. They didn't tell them where to practice, how to practice, who to practice with. They didn't really, Hmm. you know, like really start to kind of a bit informed with true yoga, I would say. Right. Okay. Um, And so, and just not having it as much like informed and like, what is the, like, what kind of yoga practices are they actually engaging in? Totally. And when it comes to mindfulness, well, that's a whole other realm in itself. Yeah. They're starting to use mindfulness and different mindfulness approaches for everything nowadays. Yeah. Like (laughs) they're finding cancer treatment is, has better uptake when people are practicing mindfulness. Absolutely. They're finding bones are healing faster. Mm-hmm. Like if so, you were to break your arm, that's why I think my, my arm, when I broke it and yoga in my yoga teacher training, it, I was doing handstands by the end of the teacher training. No kidding. Oh, wow. it was a three training. Like it was kind of expanded, totally. but no, that's impressive as a, as a kinesiology background student. That's impressive. That's I, huge. It's all, I, and I really do think, right. Like it, oh, when God. you, your body keeps score and when yeah. you're in a better place, it will heal differently and it will change and respond to what you're doing. Totally. Oh, I love that. What, so you mentioned something that was really interesting was when the what, how, and why aren't defined, you know, it doesn't give people direction to understand like where to go, where to start. So what those, as far as again, the, what, the, how, the, why, what do you recommend? Or like, what do you tell people when they're looking for those components of starting a yoga practice yeah. or mindfulness practice mm-hmm. oh the counselor is going to come out and you're not going to like this no That's one fine. can do that and no one ever does <laughs> but there's no way there's no one right way and I think that that is really what I emphasize even in my programming is mm-hmm. that like you have to figure out what works for you yeah and yeah. everybody's body is going to respond differently to different practices some people for example if we're uh Dr. Huberman talks a lot about this on his, his podcast when it comes to mindfulness but that introspection and extra or interoception and extraception part of me mm-hmm. and how in tune with your body you are and out, like how in tune with the outside world you are yeah and for example if someone has is really interoceptive they're really inside their body and then you tell them to sit and do a body scan and focus on the breath and focus on your heart rate and do all this stuff you're going to send them into an anxiety attack you know like they are already so close to their self and like providing practices or encouraging practices that put them more on that introception like bring them more in tune to themselves you're going off like you were going to go off the rockers that's why you know if you've had experience with anxiety attacks or panic attacks mm-hmm. when you start to be like think oh my gosh I'm having a panic attack oh my gosh and my, my heart's racing am I dying all that stuff totally it gets worse and worse and worse yeah mm-hmm. right 100 percent and so someone like that would benefit more from a mindfulness practice that focuses attention outside their body oh my gosh okay see that okay that that's a that's huge right there because we preach so much like go inwards right mm-hmm. but I also I think that that doesn't take into account people who really struggle with that or the, or the you know that it's not it's not like the switch flips and all of a sudden you're looking in, inwards like there's so many layers to surpass before you can do that and sit in that comfortably so what what is that ex- extra reception is that what it's called yeah. what does that look yeah. like so if someone were to kind of be like if they were more focused like ex- externally Mm-hmm. That's usually that overwhelm, you know, like that overstimulation. Oftentimes, again, online, there's a lot to, a lot of people talk about 
ADHD and autism right now online. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There are some, that's a whole different discussion in itself when it comes mm-hmm. to that. But um, be speaking of, if you think so, go see your, go see a, pre- a mental health professional. Just yeah. emphasizing that. Um, <laughs> yeah. But uh, when it comes to that, like there's a reason, right? It's because that overstimulation because mm-hmm. yeah. your brain is taking in too much information from your external surroundings. It is way too focused on the sounds, the pinging of your phone, the having your social media scrolling that well Netflix is on well the music is on well someone's trying to talk to you you know like that is so overstimulating we don't realize it and so if someone is completely outside their body what's going to help well probably something that brings them more internally and that's Mm -hmm. when like some of the breath grounding that can be a lot more beneficial but I think that's when it comes like a big part of that is having that emotional and that body awareness and regulation to know what you need and when because you don't just sit somewhere. Sometimes you hang out in a certain area on that. You're talking about like a, like a scale. It's not a scale, but we'll think of it like that. Totally. Mm-hmm. So you kind of hang out in a certain area, but mm. you're always going to be moving. And depending on what your goal is, then your practice is going to change. Right. And that's where I think when you kind of wrap it back to the research, right? That's where some of those issues come up, where they see different benefits and different things happening. And the results are all different and there's no like yoga for all. Yes. But there's no one type of yoga for every person. Mm-hmm. I, I love that you described it as a scale because I think that I talk to a lot of people who say, well, I'm not good at meditating or I'm not good at yoga because I can't achieve that. Like, you know, fully introspective. I don't hear anything else state that I think it's painted as, but I think what you just said, there really clicked with me because no, even like every time you do yoga, every time you sit down for meditation, every time you journal, it's not the same, right? Mm-hmm. Like it, depending on what's going on in your internal, external world, how you're feeling, how deep you're willing to get on a given day. Cause you're not obliged to go into the depths <laughs> every single Nor day. Nor should you every day. Nor That's not good you. for you either. <laughs> that, exactly. And I think that that it's a huge piece to bring into the conversation because I think that when people can understand it as that kind of spectrum of you can sit within that scale on a day-to-day wherever you're however you're feeling mm-hmm. it re- it removes the shame from like oh well I'm not good at meditating because I can't achieve that's like super deep beta uh, theta wave state like every time that we associate it as so yeah I just love that you drew attention to that because I think that that will bring people a lot of peace of mind when they know that it doesn't look like one thing it can look like whatever works for you at a given time so yes Mm-hmm. Well, and that's where that, like we said, that awareness and regulation comes in because, and that's why, so even in my program, like within, I, there's um, eight modules that I teach within the 12 weeks and four of the modules. So half of the education piece of my program is focused on emotional and body awareness and regulation mm-hmm. as it's, and it's not just about like the, like the um, mental health and that stuff. It's, and that is part of yoga practice. And I think that's what often gets kind of forgotten is that being able to tune into yourself in any which way is part of yoga. Like yoga mm-hmm. is unity. It's having that really essence of being one with yourself and really kind of refinding that light inside of you. And yeah. that is what comes that where that yoga piece comes in. And yoga doesn't have to just be doing handstands and getting into the funkiest positions and it can be because that that might be pushing yourself but there's also that other piece of yoga that often gets forgotten um but then flip side of that you don't have to be able to do all that to practice yoga and your brain responds to 
like you're like you talked about neuroplasticity, right? That's mm-hmm. how your brain is. Totally. Your brain engages in neuroplasticity when there's new and novel things going on. Mm-hmm. Right? That's why people love travel because you're starting to experience things that it does start to change the brain. But then you start to look at mindfulness and it's the same thing. Every time your mm-hmm. mind matters, that is a perfect opportunity to bring your attention back. And that is where change happens when you bring it back. Mm-hmm. It's okay. Your brain is supposed to wander. You're just supposed to try to every time it wanders, you bring it back, bring the attention back, whether it be in focusing on your internal sensations or focusing on something externally. Every time the mind wanders, that is the practice. Totally. Well, and isn't that, isn't that self-awareness at its core, right? Like I think one of the best pieces of advice that I ever heard around meditating and mindfulness was, um, your mind will only ever go quiet when you're dead. (laughs) Right. And that removed so much, um, like angst around it for me because I was like, why can't I just let it be quiet? Why don't the thoughts just stop? It's like, that's not the goal. The goal is to be able to develop that sense of control when they start to wander other than somewhere else and where you want them to go, you know? So I like that. And I think it's important to have that distinction because that isn't the goal of meditating nor yoga nor mindfulness. It's about developing that, um, that sense of awareness to bring yourself back when you're wandering elsewhere. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. and like making that, like ha- having discernment, right. And recognizing when to bring yourself back because mm-hmm especially when it comes to any kind of trauma in itself is this whole thing. Trauma is not what happens to you. It's what happens within you. And so Mm -hmm. when your body has some sort of physical response to a trigger, it might not be safe for you to do the healing right now because your environment might not be set up for you. And so I think when it comes to mindfulness too, some people really don't like meditation mindfulness because they don't, they feel like they get more anxious with it. Mm-hmm. Okay. There's other ways to practice mindfulness. That's not, that that can actually help. Right. And I think that's where it's really important to emphasize. Like if, and I often, even in my classes say like, if you don't like sitting still, if that makes you feel really uncomfortable or closing your eyes, don't do it. Mm-hmm. Sway to the side, bring movement and you need to move the energy in your body. Right. Yeah. Maybe you don't need to sit in stillness. Maybe that's exactly the worst thing for your body right now. Mm-hmm. Like, right? Totally. So that's when like you ask the question, like, what is what are these practices that people should do? And it's like, there's no answer to that. No. And and I think that it's a huge, like I always say that education is the first step into any kind of change, right? Like I think any kind of personal growth is painted as like, we'll just start doing stuff. No, there's actually quite a bit of a period where you're supposed to sit down talk to people read about things so that you can land on the things that pique your interest and try those until you land on something that thought works and then change again right and that's like that's the beautiful part is is getting the opportunity to try modalities that work for you and once you work through some you might move to others but there's always 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 education involved before change can happen so mm -hmm. and just getting curious with it right because like like I was saying in this program like I don't just teach one way I teach a bunch of different like mindfulness skills and strategies. And that's mm-hmm. why I'm putting that mini course out because that's one question I get often asked like, okay, well, if I don't want to just sit in meditation, what do I do? And so I have mm-hmm. put together a resource for that because there isn't just one way and going through different practices and trying different things, getting curious about what you like and what you don't like, mm-hmm. that is where that change is going to happen. So that when things sure. do go whatever which way you know what to do about it and you have things to lean back on and your brain is prime because you already know when you're wanting to use these things yep 
exactly i have so much that i want to ask you still and so little time <laughs> no, right so I feel like we need we need we, we could i mean we could talk for hours on this like i i <laughs> i can talk for 12 weeks on this right like i, I do <laughs> and that's why you're doing it and that's why we're here that's so why i'm here <laughs> and that's how you do what you do i love it um Okay, what I wanted to ask you was mm-hmm. you, you know, you're helping a lot of people with mindfulness and to develop mindfulness practice in their life. What does that look like for you in your life? Mindfulness practice. Oh, I love that question. And I think that's where it's really important to emphasize that your practice is supposed to ebb and flow. It's never going to be the same. And I think some people get so stuck, especially seeing things online like build your habits, build your habits, do this, do that, build your routine. And like, yeah, yeah totally but also have some flexibility with it. Mm-hmm. And so my own practice, I don't have just like one specific practice similar to how I teach, mm-hmm. right? Like during different periods of my life and especially being a woman and having different periods, like different periods of my month, mm-hmm. I yeah. will have different things that I need. And so just as like a summary of things that I, I do, um, journaling is always a really big outlet for me. I do love mm-hmm. to journal, whether it be just dumping my thoughts uh, whether it be practicing gratitude, that's when I've been really doing a lot lately in my mornings and making sure I'm writing down, I am grateful for dot, 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 not just listing mm-hmm. them. Um, oh, because gratitude is really good for your brain, just so you know. Uh, right? Yeah. Oh, love it. Um, yeah. It is. It's good for your temporal lobe and helps change. Um, anyway. Yes. Yes. Back <laughs> to my practice. Um, one of the things that also I really like to do is um, focusing, like doing actually seated meditations um breath work is a really good one I've been into a lot lately as well um I think just in terms of like mindfulness is also just how about you go how you go about your day and that's really Mm -hmm. what mindfulness is right it doesn't always have to take time out of your day but what I've been doing a lot lately is like when I go for walks with my dog I will make sure I try to notice three things I've never noticed before so Mm. um scratch on a branch the way the leaves look um, something in the grass I don't know right like it doesn't it can be anything there's endless things um that's like some that's my mindfulness practice for me and then on top of that when we kind of bring it back to relationships it's also really being present with my partner and with other people in my life and making mm-hmm. sure that I'm surrounding myself with people that fill my heart because that is mindfulness right because when you are with people that you are just fully engaged with like even stuff like this mm-hmm so in the flow and you're just you know like that you are so present and I think that is also a big thing to recognize like you and I just even talking here sometimes not focus on 12 million different things phone ping in the background like that is being mindful and I think Mm -hmm. that's where it's supposed to emphasize that mindfulness is not just a specific practice there are mindfulness practices but mindfulness is how you go about your day and be intentional with your attention with your energy yeah I I was I was just about to say like I think that um the shift in narrative that has to happen is from practice to to lifestyle when it comes to to that right because it is like the intentionality with which you approach your day it is how you choose to put distractions away it is how you choose to carve out time for yourself like that is mindfulness and it isn't just the five minutes that you sit down to meditate it is like Mm -hmm. how you approach your entire day so I love that because I also think that it takes the stress out of you're like, I have to find one hour to do this. It's like, no, yeah. it's a whole day thing. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah. especially when it comes to moving your body, it's the same way. Like I love to go to long, longer practices, right? Like I'm talking 60, 75 minute plus kind of stuff. I do love yeah. that, but mm-hmm. that's not realistic for 
for a lot of people and even myself a lot of the time right totally. like even as a yoga teacher I I do still I am in my master's I I am busy yeah. and so sometimes dancing in your kitchen can be moving your body you know yeah. like oh my having gosh. a good song on and just jamming like your heart rate gets up if I mean the way I dance my heart rate gets up so <laughs> <laughs> but totally. when it comes to, to even like moving your body like yes yoga is really important because there is a lot of that research behind it there's a lot of tradition behind it and that's also important to recognize yes. and to address and mm-hmm. recognize that I am still a student in it as well but yeah. it is part of it right and I think okay. doing your body however it needs to move practicing mindfulness however you need to practice that's really mm-hmm. what I it's like that's where that freedom comes to and um the last round of of NIM that I ran even we had a really big conversation at the end and mm-hmm. recognizing how like core beliefs have shifted throughout the program for this for this mm-hmm. one individual mm-hmm. and one of them is recognizing that like you're not going to do the same thing every day and that it's a good things when things start to shift because maybe that means that you're getting better and oh maybe that means you don't need more practice you need less because you can get mm-hmm. the same results from less time it takes you less time to sit and get really into your practice. It used to take 45 minutes for you to actually get there, but now it takes 10. I don't know. Right. You're- totally, totally. And it's it's about noticing those small changes too, right? Like I um I think I think that's huge. And thinking about shifts as a step in the right direction, not that it's not working for you anymore or that you need to find something else, but rather like there's there's grace in in sitting in the shift. And like seeing mm-hmm. what has come of it and seeing how you've changed as a result of it because, you know, like that's the whole point of yeah. these practices. So, oh, I love that. That must have been such a stimulating conversation. Yeah, it was wonderful. Yeah. And that's, I love that. that's what it's all about, right? It's about talking totally. about life. And I think that's so rewarding for you too. That's it. Is. Yeah. And that's where some of that counselor kind of style comes in, right? Because it mm-hmm. is educating, like a big part of what I do is educate people on the brain and on how mindfulness and yoga shift your mind shift your brain shift your life really in, in general yeah, yeah, but yeah. a big part of it is I'm going through the journey myself and mm-hmm. like I guess there was that trigger warning like I even have a lot of my own trauma in the past that I've gone through mm-hmm. and for me it was actually a lot of sexual trauma and so for mm-hmm. that it's a ton of work it took years right yeah to start to get to a place where I felt comfortable enough to really sit in my practice and mm-hmm. and that is where you don't always have to be fixing yourself sometimes fixing yourself is just being present and being okay with the chapter that you're in and so right now even where I'm in right this moment mm-hmm. my practice is going to look very different than even three months from now yeah I don't know what it's going to look like I don't but not so I trust that too. it's going to be practice and it's going to be what it needs to be so as you evolve your practice evolves and that, and I, I think it's so wonderful that you have that direct testimony of it took me time before I could sit here. And people need to hear that. People need to get that. To, people need to understand that it, it's going to be a journey that isn't going to look like everybody else's. Um, but also the timeline will look different based on what you went through, what you think you can tolerate right now and where you want to get to. Because you don't have to have a goal for what it has to look like or the result of it right now either. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh. And that's... That's what it's all about, right? That's what it's all about. I love that. I could talk to you all day. I know. I this so much. I know. We're going to need to. We need 12 we need podcast to, episodes. We need 12 weeks. <laughs> we need 12 weeks. Seriously. <laughs> no, exactly. And that's what we're going to do. That's what you're going to do. So yes. uh, the tradition on the podcast okay. here is that 
every guest. I know it's your first time. I'm just, I'm so excited. That it's your first time. <laughs> I hope this doesn't scare you away. Never. <laughs> the tradition here uh, on commitment to growth is that every guest gets three rapid fire questions at the end. Uh, the first two are the same for every guest. The last one is unique to them. Okay. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. First one is what song is currently stuck in your head? All is well. I don't know who the artist is, but I have, I'm playing that. I'm teaching yoga tonight and I, that was in my head. Yeah. That's the first one that came to my mind. Okay. All is well. Is it like an instrumental song? No, it's like a very like soulful music. Like I I put it in my class a lot of the time. Gotcha. Uh, Don't know who the artist is. I wish I did. That's fine. I'll send it to you. (laughs) Amazing. It'll be called All is well and it's great. Look it up. (laughs) It'll be in the show notes, folks. Beautiful. Thank you. Okay. Uh, question two is what is your favorite quote? Uh, what is my favorite quote? Uh, growing old is mandatory. Growing up is optional. Oh my gosh. Okay. That's so wild that you just said that. Cause I literally, my phone today, I, I use insight timer for meditation yes. and it gives you a daily quote every single day. And today's was change is inevitable. The growth is optional. And that's just, oh. we were in yeah. sync basically we were. to happen. <laughs> I love that. Okay. Ready? Yeah. That was so rapid fire. Good for you. So most of stumble a little bit. <laughs> I couldn't, I could not do rapid fire. So my respects. <laughs> uh your last one is what is your favorite yoga pose? If any. What is my favorite yoga pose? Oh my goodness. Like yoga asana pose. Okay. Um yeah. <laughs> we're gonna just go with it, but Shavasana. I was gonna I love say it. The same thing. There are lots. But I got to yeah. say, that is one thing that is part of most of my practices. And no, so 100%. Do you want to explain that to people who I don't know? Yes. Because that's Shavasana my favorite too. Pose. Yes. <laughs> um, it is where you are lying on your back. Oftentimes your palms are facing up. You are in a receiving position. Legs are relaxed. Just laying on the floor. And I think that's where yeah. it's part of very like opening your chest, heart opening, feeling the ground and the support of the mat below you. Um, it's really where you get to just let your mind because your body is still mm-hmm. beautiful we see eye to eye on that I love I love the laying part personally but <laughs> I used to be like a super intense I used and like don't if you are into this like this is not a shot to you this is just my practice has evolved this way and totally. yours may or may not but for mm-hmm. me like I used to be like all about like workout yoga you know like super yeah. intense like again I do love a good arm balance don't get me wrong mm-hmm. love a good inversion but yeah like my practice has really evolved to really become a lot more slower, a lot more, um, more on like the mental, like on the actual mindfulness practice itself, going beyond just the asana and really kind of exploring the philosophy of it. Cause that is really where yoga starts to get just mind boggling how people totally. conceptualizing this stuff thousands of years ago. Totally. Oh, yeah. I need to work on that more. Cause for me, for me, like, it's just that the stem of the stretch is still hurt. <laughs> so it's really hard to like get out of that and back into the mind but I think that's like that's the beautiful part of it is that once you master that it's it's way more um like it's it's more holistic practice rather than just the flexibility or body practice too right so that's my takeaway for today for sure it's all it's all part of it it's all part of it where can people find you after this because they're gonna want to I'm pausing I love it (laughs) um well so I all my all my programs are online so three different ways um don't know timing wise if it'll work for the workshop but I do every now host online workshops they're just like one-offs I do have another one 
this Wednesday. Um, but by the time this is out, it'll be past that. So next one. Yeah. Keep your eyes open for the next workshop. Fantastic. Mm -hmm. Uh, I do have an online free six week journal. If you ever want to just download that, it's automatic. It's just from my website. It's from my link on my profile. Third way I do have a coming out on the mindfulness skills and strategies that we discuss and practice in. Mm -hmm. So that will be like breaking down each one and allowing you to practice that. That's mm -hmm. where they can find me on there. And then the 12 week program, right? Like I run these a few times a year. My next one starts middle of September and I do have spots open. And so Fantastic. if that is something that interests you, let's just get connected. Let's chat one-on-one -on -one because being a group program, it is about the group, right? And it's not oh like there has to yeah. be like, you don't worry about like vetting and all this. It's not like that. It's just mainly to kind of make sure that this is right for people and that it is what they're looking for. Totally. And the connection part too the is connection. so important. We yeah. love it. We love yeah. it. But Facebook, or I guess Facebook, yeah, Instagram, TikTok, Pinterest. Amazing. Yes. All, all of Kelsey's stuff will be linked in the, in the show notes, everybody, <laughs> so you can find it there too. Kelsey, this was yeah. so lovely. Thank you for being here. Thanks Congratulations so on your first podcast interview. Nobody would know. I, I wouldn't even know. I, made it. It. I love it. it. <laughs> this uh, is what I do. This is my jam. <laughs> we love, we love, well, we hope to have you back in due time and uh, we'll be in touch. For thank sure. you so much for honestly like truly thank you for the that conversation because I think it's always that's why we do what we do right and that's why we do what others we do. and just having real conversations so thank you for inviting me to commitment to growth and thank you for just everyone listening it's been oh, wonderful thank you it was lovely thank you for tuning in this week everybody I hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. I hope it left your mind full. No pun intended. I hope that was funny. <laughs> it did mine. I hope you took as much away from that conversation as I did as well and that you're inspired to continue doing your inner work, maybe through something differently, through movement exploration, because that is what we're here to do. We're here to embrace the journey that it is to becoming our authentic selves, our most truest selves, in ways that are fun and inspiring as well. It doesn't always have to be hard and emotionally crushing and griefing, grieving. <laughs> no, we're here to do it the right way. So if you are interested in more conversations like this in the future, hit like, subscribe to the podcast on whatever podcast platform you're listening onto. Share this conversation with a friend who you think might find it helpful or inspiring. Follow the podcast and my personal platform, Commitment to Growth, on Instagram and TikTok. It's at Commitment to Growth. If you want to learn more about my coaching services, how I approach resilience coaching differently than what is seen in the coaching industry right now, you can head over to my website. It is www.commitmenttogrowth.com and I outline the approach that I take to helping you work towards your goals, whether it is personal, social, and relationships in your professional life. I'm your girl to do so. I want to help you. So head on over there, check it out. Shoot me on Instagram if you have any questions. Otherwise, I'll hop on a call and I'd be super happy to answer those questions for you and to get to know you a little bit better. So that is the episode for this week. Thank you for being here as always, and I will see you in the next episode.